Uh, and hello, if I haven't met you, my name is Father Aaron Damiani. Um, so thanks for being here. We're in a series called Waking Up, Becoming Fully Human. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about, you know, what's the best version of yourself and how can you become that person? That's what we're exploring, and we're looking at the early life of Jesus and, you know, uh, his coming of age and also his most famous teaching that um, really did turn the Roman Empire upside down and beyond. It, it just, it, it changed the world for the good, um, for the people who heard the words and heeded the words. So, um, one of the, uh, the topic this morning is on suffering. What are your options when you suffer? It's one of the great tests, really, for like, are you mature and full as a human being? Have you, have you been developed? Are you ready for the real world? How do you suffer? What are your options when you suffer? What naturally comes out of you, comes out of your mouth, comes out of your life? How do you start spending money when you suffer? Um, you know, and we all suffer. One common thing that I hear a lot, I've experienced this myself, is just when you're in the city, man, it can be lonely. It can be lonely. You can just feel like no one knows who you are. You're just an anonymous, you know, sort of uh, one of the anonymous sort of wheels that spins to make the city run. Um, but uh, your friends sometimes move away, and there's a whole swath of your soul and of your life that doesn't get shared with anybody. And so you can even be married and be lonely. You can be in a family and be lonely. It, there's a lot of loneliness in our city. And so, but maybe you're, maybe, uh, you're tired. There's another common theme here in the city is that it's so intense here, people can get tired. And so maybe you're like iPhone battery, 19%, kind of like always looking for the charge, but you're always in use. You know, people always need something from you. And so you're just kind of running on E, running on fumes, you're tired. Um, but you know what? Maybe, maybe you're hurting. Maybe you've been betrayed and someone's uh, let you down, someone's hurt your feelings, someone's done something unjust to you, and so you've got some resentments uh, boiling in your soul. And so, and you're hurting. And it's like, maybe you're angry and maybe you're not, but it just hurts to be alive for you. What comes out when you're lonely? What comes out when you're tired? What comes out when you're hurt? Um, a lot of us are tempted to compare. We compare how our life currently is, how our life currently feels with how it used to be back in the good old days, before our friends moved away back when we felt connected, back when we felt whole and wholehearted and refreshed. Or we compare with other people. We're like, how come I have so much suffering, but that person gets what they want, and that person seems to, oh, it's just life so easy for them. And you kind of almost, in a schadenfreude sort of way, wish it would get harder for them. You ever compare when you suffer? What about <laughs> despair? We can despair, too. We just be like, you know what? <laughs> this is my life, I guess. And we give up, we stop hoping, we stop loving, we start disengaging. You ever despair after you suffer? When you're like, at a certain point, you can only be hurt so much before the calluses start going up. Do you have any calluses? Do you have any despair? Another way that we respond to suffering is escape. Have you ever been tempted when you're lonely, when you're afraid, when you're hurt, to escape, to escape life, to escape uh, the moral boundaries that you've always respected, just cut the fence, and you know what? If I'm going to suffer so much, then I'm going to go wherever I need to go to feel better. 
I'm going to go, I'm going to roam into the land of porn. I'm going to roam into the land of hooking up. I'm going to roam into the land of unending Netflix forever and ever, amen. Not just one drink, two drinks, three drinks, whatever whatever it takes to self-medicate. So, are you suffering? What comes out in your soul? What are your options when you suffer? This is a big, big test for you. Are you going to grow up into the fullness of who you're called to be? Well, suffering is one of the biggest tests you'll ever face. So that's why this teaching is so important. Jesus is going to offer some life-giving invitations for us. Life-giving, beautiful, soul-enriching invitations that not just, uh, not just for us, not just for our soul renewal, but in a way that just rocks the world around us, brings renewal, brings hope to people around us in a way that nothing else can. So it's so important that we listen. Jesus is, it's the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, he goes to, a, to a, a, a Galilean hill, and you know what? He's surrounded by suffering people. He's surrounded by lonely and hurting people. He's surrounded by people who are paralytics, by people who are diseased, by people who are mourning the loss of their children, people who needed massive healing, people who would had a, you know, a, a life expectancy of 30-something, that's who's surrounding Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. That's who's listening to his words, and he's got words of hope for them, words of hope beyond, well, just try harder, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, or get over it. He doesn't say that to them. He offers them life-giving invitations that will renew their souls. So turn with me to Matthew 5, and let's hear Jesus's life-giving invitations. So I'm going to talk about three life-giving invitations. They're all kind of big, okay? They're, they're all going to really, I have to say, you probably can only hear one today for your, for your life. So maybe there's one of these invitations that you can say yes to today. One way that you can follow the way of Jesus in your suffering today. But I'll present all three and let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do. So... Uh, first life-giving invitation from Jesus to anyone here who's suffering, and that is this. We're invited to bring our suffering into God's house. We are invited to bring our suffering into God's house. Are you suffering today? There's a place for you. There's a place for you to bring your suffering to, and it's his house. A few months ago, I got a standing invitation from someone who came to visit Emmanuel Anglican. You never know when you, get, when you come to Emmanuel Anglican, but someone walked up to me and said, you know what? They live in downstate Illinois. You can come over to my house anytime you want. There's a bed for you. There, there's food for you. There's a, there's a nice dog. There's pasture lands that you can walk in. There's even horses if that's your thing. Um, come on down whenever you want. And so I wasn't able to go, wasn't able to go. But one week ago, I was like finally able to get down there to experience the invitation. And I walked in, and they, ha- they have a note for me, and they're like, don't lock the door. We don't have a key. You don't have a cr- tr- uh, key. You know, welcome to our house. Welcome to our house. And I, you know, the thing is, I wasn't on vacation. I still was on duty. I still had work to do. But I brought all that work with me, all the books that I had to read, all the thoughts I had to think, all the things I had to wrestle through, all the things I had to write, this sermon included, and went, okay, I'm going to face all of this, all this stuff that's maybe a hard thing. Maybe you could call it suffering, but I'm going to do it in this house, this house of healing, this house of hospitality. I cried when I walked in there. It was such a loving place. I ate their homemade granola. I made friends with their dog. I sat in front of the wood-burning fire, wood burning fire. It was restful, and it was beautiful. Still had work to do, 
but it was work that was subsumed by, like baptized in, surrounded by love and hospitality and blessing and support. And that's what it's like to be in God's kingdom. God says, you know, in Christ, the door is unlocked for you. And you can be suffering, you can be lonely, you can bring that loneliness into God's house. You can be in pain, you can, you can be struggling to even know what forgiveness looks like after five years of processing the same hurt. Come into God's house with that. Um, you, could be, um, you could be financially destitute. Come into God's house with that. It doesn't mean that you, he's gonna take the suffering away, but he's gonna give you a home where you can process it, where you can receive the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's help. So come into God's house. Here's what uh, Jesus says in uh, Matthew 5, verse 3. He says, um, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, So who are the poor in spirit? Well, let's start with the word blessed, um, and then we'll get to poor in spirit. The word blessed from Jesus, Jesus isn't saying, bless you, I I bless you. Uh, There's a word for that. He doesn't use it. It's more of a word that's kind of like congratulations, more like an observation, like seeing someone walk by and they're like, whoa, congratulations, that person has it good, that person's flourishing. That's, that's the truly, truly blessed person, more like an observation that he's like saying out loud of, oh, that person has it really good. Uh, it's the word makairos. Um, uh, in Australia, they might say like, good on you, mate. It's like, wow, it's, things are going really well for you. So why does he call the poor in spirit blessed? Well, uh, uh, the poor in the Gospel of Matthew and in Jesus' world, maybe they were spiritually poor. You could translate this spiritually poor. Maybe you could translate this um, uh, like just materially poor. Like it was kind of lumped together in Jesus' day. Like if you were spiritually poor, you were materially poor because obviously God hasn't blessed you. And so um, it, it wasn't necessarily a good thing. It wasn't necessarily like a virtue to be poor in spirit, um, although some have translated it this way. It's not necessarily a virtue, um, but Jesus says, why are the poor in spirit blessed? Well, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's why they're blessed. That's why they're lucky. That's why they're, but that's why, congratulations, you now have access to the kingdom of heaven. Congratulations. He welcomes them in to uh, bring their suffering into God's house to anyone who doesn't necessarily have a claim on God. Maybe they're like a spiritual zero. They're not necessarily spiritually inclined. They're not into religious things. Maybe they've done a lot of bad stuff in their life and they just always assumed, you know, if there's a door to God's house, it's locked to me. I don't have the key to God's house. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm here to tell you, epileptics, uh, people who are diseased, people who are outcasts, People who, like, if you try to get into the temple, they'd be like, get away, you're unclean. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You actually have an invitation to come into God's house. The door is unlocked. Yes, you're suffering, but the kingdom of God is available to you as a house for you to process and receive relief from and connect with God in your suffering. How would this look for us? Many of us who, uh, maybe we have all we need materially, Uh, Maybe we barely have what we need in terms of bodily energy to get through the day, but maybe you're lonely. Lonely, poor, you know, poor in relationships, let's say. It's not necessarily a good thing to be poor in relationships, is it? To not have enough community, not have enough support, not enough people who are 
you know, showing you empathy as you suffer, connecting with you, doing life with you, sharing a table with you. It's not good, but the kingdom of God's available to you, so congratulations. I'll tell you how we do that here is, you know, we make small groups available to you, and we hope and pray that they're a faithful expression of the kingdom of God. They're not a cure for loneliness by any means, but they certainly are a place where you can bring your loneliness where you can talk about your loneliness, where you can be lonely with other people at the very least. We've got morning prayer happening three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7.30 at the McDonald's down the street at Sheridan and Wilson. Now, you can experience the kingdom, the kingdom of God's available to you at McDonald's where you can enjoy a delicious Egg McMuffin and some Anglican morning prayer. How about that? No one's going to push you away. Bring your loneliness, bring whatever you've got, and come pray with us. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be his kingdom now and forever, not just on Sundays, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The kingdom of God is available to you. You know, it's available to you in unseen ways too. Just anytime, anywhere you are, wherever you're suffering, you can know that Jesus' invitation is, hey, bless, congratulations to all who follow the way of Jesus to look to him for salvation you can bring your suffering to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You will always be received. You'll never be turned away. So here's how we could maybe um, adapt these, this particular saying to our situation. Blessed are the lonely who have no family or spouse to come home to, for the family of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit embraces them as one of their own. Or how about this? Congratulations, to the stressed out and burned out, for they have a gentle Savior who offers them rest. Maybe this, good on you, mate, if you're worried sick about your kids, for you have a father who protects and cares for your kids and your whole family, even when you can't. All right, first life-giving invitation. Maybe that's one for you today, to enter and take your suffering into God's house. Second life-giving invitation is this, Entrust your suffering to God's future. Entrust your suffering to God's future. If you were to go back in time and give in, uh, some advice to a uh, colonialists before the Revolutionary War was won, you would say, resist that tyrant King George. Resist that tyrant King George because a day is coming. It hasn't yet come. It's on its way where King George is going to be sent packing, and you will be a colonialist. So don't align with him. Align with the underdog, George Washington, and his ragtag army. So what is Jesus saying to us in the Beatitudes? He's saying, join the revolution. God's kingdom is coming. It's going to bring justice. It's going to be a beautiful and good reordering of reality, where spiritually, politically, and every other way, heaven and earth will come together and there will be renewal under King Jesus. Jesus switches from the present tense, there's is the kingdom of heaven, to the future tense. Look with me in verse four. Blessed, flourishing, congratulations to those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Why are the people who are in mourning, people who have lost a loved one, maybe a child, maybe a parent, maybe a sister or brother, why would they be happy? Why would they be blessed? Why would they be flourishing? Well, there's a comfort that's coming for them. 
And that comfort is going to be real. It's going to swallow up their grief in beauty. It's going to swallow up the days of sadness with joy. Like Isaiah 61, there's going to be, instead of ashes, there's going to be a beautiful headdress to anyone who's mourning in the kingdom of God. Jesus is promising a future that's coming. You can trust the future. You can act as if it were true. Skip down to verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This word righteousness in the Gospel of Matthew is referring to right relationships with God and each other. Are you one of those people who, when you see a picture on the wall and it's like, eh, where you're like, that's driving me crazy, you're like, you can't, you're like tormented until it's like, no, we, we got to straighten this thing out? Raise your hand, be honest. Okay, all right. So blessed are those who are like that, but relationally and spiritually. You can see that relationships are out of joint. You can see that relationships with God is out of joint. Something's not right systemically. Something's not right personally. Something is not right spiritually. You see it and you know it. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why is Jesus calling you blessed, most tormented of all? They shall be satisfied. The hunger of your souls for shalom will be satisfied. The hunger of your heart for right relationships will be satisfied. Don't get cynical. Follow Jesus in the kingdom of God and trust yourself to the kingdom. You'll do things differently, you know, if you do. I'll give you an example. Verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Don't raise your hand. Anyone here ever try to be a peacemaker? Oh, by definition, you're walking into situations where there's no peace where things are definitely out of joint, where things are getting hot. It's a crucial conversation. And you walk in, and you are trying to listen to both sides, bring some resolution. You're trying to be a bridge. You know what happens to bridges? They get walked on, don't they? You know what happens to peacemakers? They don't call them peacemakers. They call them names like traitors. They call them names like subversive. Or worse, I have a friend who's a, a police officer in the District of Columbia, and he is a gentle giant. Um, I was in a prayer group with him years ago, and he is, he is so gentle. He is a peacemaker, and um, he brings peace with him wherever he goes, and he lives as if God's kingdom is true. He lives as if God's kingdom is coming. He walked into a situation not long ago, a domestic dispute to bring peace. He was beaten within an inch of his life. He had a skull fracture, lost some eyesight. He's recovering now. You know, it wasn't a good thing for him to be treated that way. It wasn't a good thing for him to be called the names he's been called. But you know what was really beautiful and good? That all of his obedience to Jesus to bring peace on earth is entrusted to God's good and beautiful kingdom, because God's going to take his offering of peacemaking. He's going to make it part of something rich and beautiful, good and enduring for the District of Columbia when all things are made new. He might be called pig now, but in the kingdom of God, he will be called a son of God. Do you ever live as if God's kingdom's coming true? Live as if materialism isn't all there is. Live, live, live as if empire's not all that it is. Live as if there's a coming resolution. You can't exactly bring it about, but you can live as if it were true. 
That's Jesus' invitation for you. Yeah, we'll all suffer together, okay? But we can entrust our suffering to God's good future, God's sure future. It's not just that the Beatitudes are true, they are. The Beatitudes are also coming true. The Beatitudes are coming true. And when we step into Jesus' way, we are, we are signs of God's kingdom. We are signs of the Beatitudes coming true. Can you trust your suffering to God's good future? Can you trust your suffering to God's sure future? Even if you don't see it in your lifetime. So, invitation one, bring your suffering into God's house. That's available now. Invitation two, entrust it to God's good future. That's available now too, but it has this other future dimension. It's beautiful. We're caught in between the already and not yet here in Jesus' kingdom. All right, here's the third invitation. Maybe this one's for you. There's an invitation, there's a possibility for you to respond to your suffering with the light of Christ. You can respond to your suffering with the light of Christ. When Jesus calls you to be his own, when he unites himself with you and takes your sin, forgives your sin, gives you his resurrection, gives you his Holy Spirit, gives you a commissioning, you know what you are? You are a light of the world. Jesus doesn't say you have the light of the world. He says you are the light of the world. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for, for, for my sake. Blessed are you. Congratulations. For so they persecuted the prophets who came before me. They persecuted Isaiah for proclaiming good news to the poor. They persecuted Jesus for proclaiming good news to the poor. And they might just persecute you for doing the same thing. Blessed are you because you can shine the light of Christ. The, uh, the Anglican service of the Easter vigil begins in darkness. It begins in darkness, which symbolizes death, symbolizes uh, lack of hope, symbolizes where things stand in between Christ's death and resurrection. And then there's a banging on the door. The door swings open and in walks someone holding a candle and they say or they sing, the light of Christ. And everybody responds, thanks be to God. That's what happens whenever you suffer in the name of Jesus. Whenever you respond creatively, compassionately, doing things you could not do if it were not for the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You know what your life is saying? The light of Christ. And you know what your neighbors and say, coworkers say, even the ones who torment you for being a Christian, even the ones who suspect you of being a hater? You know what your family says? Thanks be to God. They glorify your Father who's in heaven. What a privilege that is for us to shine the light of Christ that way. There's a, um, back in October 2006, some of you are aware of the, the shootings in, in Parkland, Florida. There was a shooting in October of 2006 that was especially tragic. A, a man named Charles Rogers walked into an Amish school and kill, killed 10 Amish girls. It was an unspeakable tragedy. Uh, and here's what, um, here's the news account of that time. In the midst of their grief over this shocking loss, the Amish community didn't cast blame. Can you imagine that? 
It's not that no one was to blame, but they didn't cast it. They didn't point fingers. They didn't hold a press conference. Instead, they reached out with grace and compassion toward the killer's family. The afternoon of the shooting, the afternoon of the shooting, uh, an Amish grandfather of one of the girls who was killed expressed forgiveness towards the killer, Charles Roberts. And that same day, Amish neighbors visited the Roberts family to comfort them in their sorrow and pain. And later that week, the Roberts family was invited uh, to the funeral of one of the Amish girls who had been killed. Invited the family to one of the funerals of one of the girls who had been killed. At Charles Roberts' funeral, Charles Roberts at his funeral, the shooter's funeral, do you know what happened? Amish outnumbered the non-Amish to mourn his death. Now, how is that possible? Because it's the way of Jesus. That's what it looks like to be the light of Christ in this world, to shine the light of Christ in response to your suffering. Doesn't mean we don't take action. Doesn't mean we're not outraged. It doesn't mean we don't mourn. Oh, the Amish are in mourning. Oh, they undoubtedly still, even this morning, mourn the loss of their little daughters, those 10 precious lives made in the image of God. But even as they mourn, they are flourishing because they are the light of Christ in this world. The people who followed the way of Jesus after learning about it turned the Roman Empire upside down. Why? Because people pay attention and our ministry to our neighbors becomes the most powerful when we are suffering. It is our response to our suffering that is our greatest ministry to other people. Did you hear me? It is our response to our suffering and our pain that is the greatest ministry to the people around us. You will have no more powerful ministry to the people around you, no more greater impact to the people around you in this life than how you respond to injustice, how you respond to pain, how you respond to loneliness? Do you want to follow in the way of Jesus? Jesus on the cross, what did he say about his enemies? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Those words still ring through history, and they always will because Jesus uttered them while he was suffering. Your greatest ministry to others is your response to trials. This morning, you have an opportunity to walk in the way of Jesus, to enter these life-giving invitations, to say no to numbness, to say no to self-medication, to say no to comparison, to say no to despairing, you have an opportunity not just to say no to those false paths. You have an opportunity to be the light of Christ. You have an opportunity to bring that suffering and all of its depth into God's house. You have an opportunity to uh, respond to your suffering with forgiveness and creativity. What would that look like for you? Here's one simple way to do this, all right? Tell your story. You want to be the light of Christ? Tell your story, <laughs> okay? Have you experienced... God meeting you in your suffering. Tell your story. 
It's like, uh, just talk about how hard it is with people and talk about how you're looking to God. You're looking to the kingdom of God uh, to make you whole. Talk about how you're trusting your suffering to God's coming kingdom and how sometimes you doubt that it's ever going to come, but you really do hope that it's going to come. Confess your sins to people about how you failed in this area and talk about God's grace. Do you know that that will actually really encourage people? I'm not joking. It really encourages people. When you talk about your failures and talk about God's grace, you'll be less intimidating. People will listen. Final way to practice the way of Jesus. Ask him for a creative way to respond to your suffering. Creative way to respond to your hurt. Creative way to respond to injustice. Creative, is there a creative and loving way he wants you to respond to uh, something that has caused you pain and grief? At the very end of our life, one thing will be measured. Did our suffering shine the light of Christ? And do people see that light and respond to give glory to our Father in heaven? I'll leave you with the words of Jesus from Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.